listening to Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And i got to tell you something, people. Most folks know my guest today as a character in probably one of the most popular TV shows in history and a very iconic show. But what they don't know is he's had an amazing career as a television director. You can call him an entrepreneur because he developed a product with his very, very famous uncle, which we're going to talk about. And he has a new project with his co-star, Don Most, called Harvest Time. And my guest is Anson Williams. How you doing, Anson? Hey, I'm doing well. I got to ask you, I, you know, Don was on my show a while ago, and a few years ago, and he's really got back into the acting groove, and you're back acting now. Tell me about Harvest Time, because I know you directed it, too, I believe. I did. Um, it's funny, because I really didn't look into acting very much after Happy Days, even during Happy Days. I had already, I had already started writing, selling, creating shows. I'd, I'd done a film with Ron Howard at back then called Skyward with Bette Davis. And I was, I was mainly behind the camera. And then once in a while, when I continued my directing career, they'd asked me to, to do something uh, within an episode I'm directing because I was cheap and I was there. So <laughs> seriously, man. So I would do that just, just to help people out. But then this opportunity came about with this amazing script. And... Um, the deal was, the deal was, um, I ha if I wanted to direct it, I had to act in it, and uh, and and the whole thing was the, really triggered on. Here's Don and me; we're best friends. Would people accept us with the same chemistry in uh, in totally different characters? And it, and, and, and it was comedic, was dark comedy, but so basically a whole different genre. Would, could, would they accept us? I thought this it's quite a challenge. And um, I was really nervous because Don is a phenomenal actor, and I, I, I never considered myself that great. But uh, uh, I said, all right, let's take a shot. So uh, it's called Harvest Time. And honest to God, with the help of Don, who really, even though I directed it, Don was very instrumental in my performance. Because I couldn't see me, he saw me. I'd say cut. I'd look at. I go to Don. Was it okay, bro? Was it okay? Was it real? Did you? Feel? He goes, Anson, shut up. It was fine. It was fine. I, really? I, was it? Shut up, Anson. It was fine. So, um, so anyway, um, we did it, and, and it, was, it was a challenging film because um, um, I played a character that was on, on a dialysis machine at my house, and I, I never moved. I stayed in this chair. And, and Don, he could move around a little bit, and I had a, a wife who moved around a little bit, but basically it was a one-set kind of premise, and it was actually a, um, an award-winning short play, uh, which is a proscenium kind of, you know, um, vehicle. And the whole challenge was, well, how, how do I make how do I make this exciting? How do I make this not a play? Right. And uh, so that was challenging to figure out. And and uh, uh, I think I think it was successful the way we approached it. But anyway, so we did it. It's called Harvest Time. And just to give people the basic premise, um, I'm married. Um, Don Moses, my brother. I'm his older brother. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize I was demeaning and degrading his whole life as an older brother. He had a lot of resentment toward, resentment toward me. We do it in a comedic way, which then goes into more kind of a tragic way, back to a, a funny way. And, um, and, uh, but, but I'm dying. I'm his older brother. I'm dying if I don't have a new kidney. And he donated um, his kidney to me. And I'm so grateful. And he's coming to visit us. And he comes in. And after a few minutes, he came to tell me that he sold his kidney on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> and that, don't worry. Don't worry, bro. You'll get someone else. My life's in his hands. Well, there you, now you get the premise of the whole half hour film, right? And it's, and it's really, he's using it as an excuse to get back to the basics of, of connecting again as brothers understanding what he felt growing up with me, understanding me and my problems. And we do it comedically, and we also do it dramatically. It's a whole combination 
of a, a, a collaboration of drama and comedy. And, uh, and who knew? We, we're winning all these awards, and, and uh, it's, it's the film's in all these festivals, and it's just uh, Don got many Best Actor Awards and Best Duo Awards. I got an acting award, and I got a directing award. Um, and the show got, you know, the best awards. And it's really, it's really kind of taken off. It's, and it's called Harvest Time. And, uh, I, and it was written by a, a, just a major playwright, Fred Stroppel, just a brilliant, brilliant writer, and, and produced by a wonderful uh, producer, David Levin. And uh, it was just one of those uh, projects that we just, you know, why not? Let's just, let's just go for it. And what we discovered, the public did accept us as other people. The public did accept us in these other parts, other you know other characters, whole other genre, but yet the same chemistry. Does and, uh, does the comfortability because you guys were in Happy Days together for a long time? I mean, Pops a long around. time. Did you when when you stepped that first day? Because I talked to a lot of bands and that break up, and then that first night they get on stage, they haven't done anything for a while. It just hits. For you, when you sat and you're sitting in a wheelchair, so it's not like you can really. Did it? No, it was not a wheelchair. A, a, it was a, a dialysis oh. machine. Did you? Thank you. Did you? you didn't move. Did, so you just. If I moved. had a wheelchair, I, if I had a wheelchair, I could have moved around. <laughs> so, so you sat there, and did did it just come right back? Like the the synergy between you and and Don. I mean, was it like okay, we didn't we didn't miss a beat. It's been years, but we didn't miss a beat. Well, well, it, first of all. I had the opportunity to rehearse for, you know, a couple of weeks before. So Don and I got together and we rehearsed. So um, it, during that process, it was clear we still had it, you know. So by the time it got to set filming it, uh, we, you know, it, it was there. Uh, I was more nervous the first time we read together. And we, when we, we said yes, but we said yes without reading together. And I thought, what if we made a mistake? What if we're awful? What if, I mean, he'd be great. I was more worried about if I was awful. And, and it became just a, it's just a challenging, but very, um, just wonderful, uh, experience. And, you know, and, uh, yeah. So, um, um, it was, it wasn't a surprise, but it was a surprise. You know, I knew we had the chemistry. He's my best friend to, to this day, literally in life. But it, it was such opposite, such opposites of who we are, the characters. Uh, I didn't know until that first time we sat down together, and uh, it was quite quite clear that it worked. What's it like for you? Because you've, you know, a lot of people don't know you've directed so many TV shows. I mean, you've directed a ton of TV shows and big yeah. TV shows, not dramas, comedies, the stuff on, you know, Fudge, all the different. I mean, all different genres. What's it like to all of a sudden? Being used to a huge production, you know, TV played it's, and then you're doing the smaller movie with just a small cast. Is it still the same way you direct, or do you have to attack it in a different play? I mean, I know you said you didn't want it to come across as a play, but do you have to look at it differently because it's limited characters, and you really have to get the best out of everybody? Well, you have to get the best out of everybody, no matter what the genre. Different genres, different genres have different... Um, uh, challenges. Uh, what's funny, you mentioned a show called Fudge, right? Well, Steven Spielberg produced that because Fudge was, at the time, were his were his kid, was his kids' favorite, they were the favorite books that his wife read to them. And, and Fudge was, was created by Judy Bloom. So we, that was a kid's show, not really a kid's show, it starred kids, which is actually incredibly challenging. But no near, no near the budget of other, other, um, you know, film series he, he was doing. But at the same time, he hired me to do Sequest, which was multi-million dollar sci-fi, huge show, you know, special effects. Oh my God, which had its own challenges. So no, I mean, it, it, actually, that that was harder. Because not only did you have the challenge of just good performance and telling the story, you had all this technical that went along with it. Fudge, which is, that was more, it was 
character driven and you had to get performance out of kids and you had to get all the stage or mothers away from the monitor so you could do your job, you know, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it was it, every, it, so whether you have, whether it's a five person crew and two people or a hundred person crew and God knows it's, it's, it's all the same challenges. It's whatever, whatever you're a storyteller and whatever it takes to tell that story. Nothing's nothing larger, nothing smaller. It's whatever it takes to tell that, that particular story. Now, I want to talk about Happy Days, but I have a few other things I want to talk about first. What? Want, what? Happy want, what? There's a show called Happy Days. I don't know if you heard of it. Have you, have you I think it? Happy Days are gone. I've been reading the paper too much. No, I've actually been <laughs> reading the digital internet too much. I love Happy Days. I'm, I forget, remind me what happy days are, man. There is, uh, yeah, exactly. Come on, man. What's happy days? <laughs> hey, I'm talking to you. I'm a happy guy. You're in the sun. That's I'm in the rain. And this is making me happy. Go. Happy days. You, you, resol you resolved it. And how, you're talking to me. How did you get into directing? Because it's amazing. I mean, you, you look at your, so many shows. How did you get into directing? Because was it, was the seed planted when you were on happy days? Or when did you sit there and go, you know what? I'm really... I really like what that person's doing. I want to do that. How did it all happen? Um, well, as, as far as directing, basically two people, uh, Gary Marshall, who created Happy Days, and Mork and Mindy and Laverne and Shirley, and a very prolific director, and Ron Howard. Um, <clears throat> I, always, I, I always knew I would be behind the camera most of my career. The acting side was wonderful. I appreciated it but I knew it wouldn't be the long-term platform for me. I wanted to get behind the camera. I like writing, I like creating. Directing, I didn't know, but I just love creating shows, creating things. And, um, and when I first started, Ron Howard and I did a lot together. And if, in fact, and, and the movie that really elevated him into his feature career was a film I created called Skyward, starring Bette Davis at the time, which is a whole other story. But anyway, but anyway, so I was producing and producing and creating shows, and I just didn't feel it, it, it's kind of a cold, cold um, uh, occupation. You're, you're, you're a little bit away from everybody as a producer. I love being on the set. I love being part of things. And Ron said, you know, you, you know, you really should direct. And I go, oh, great, a third career, wonderful. And, and then Gary, and then Gary Marshall made it possible. I talked to him. He said, you know there's all these great directors on the Paramount lot. Uh, I'll make sure you can like shadow them. So there I am shadowing. Well, first of all, Ron was a big influence, but then I'm But before that I'm shadowing uh, Roman Polanski doing Chinatown on the back lot. I'm shadowing uh, John Schlesinger doing day, the locust, you know, I'm shadowing Randall Kleiser doing all the musical numbers for Greek. So these are my, that's my school. I, it's a mass, it's a real master class in real time, right? And I'm going, wow. Of course, then no one gives you a shot, of course, directing. They don't, but as a producer, writer, creator, I had um, an after school special in development at ABC that I had created. And we got a green light and I went in and I begged them to let me direct the show I created and I'm exact producing. And Ron Howard, God bless him, said, um, let them know I'll back you if you if you screw up. Now at the time that's like having, you know, you know, um the biggest director in the world come in and back you. Of course they're gonna say yes. Right. So so I'm so I went in there and they let they they let me hire me. So I was able to do um No Greater Gift, after school special. And I co-wrote it. Won the, we won the Humanities Award for writing. Um, it was all about organ donorship. We doubled or, organ donorship cards in America. Um, it became a very well-reviewed film. Again, I couldn't get hired. So I had co-written a script called The Lone Star Kid, which is the, um, uh, the youngest mayor, mayor ever, at the time, ever elected in the United States. He was 12 years old in, in um, uh in, in Crab, Texas. But it was really a micro, microcosm of how government should work. It was for the people. It was this kid that came in there, and I won't get into all the details of why, whatever, but when he became mayor, 
he created a, a temporary police department for this town, temporary medical uh, situated this town because they didn't have these things in this town, which caused people problems. And, and people didn't realize that Houston owed them all these new roads. Anyway, this 12 year old kid ran in this unincorporated town, created a, an, an election, won the mayorship, turned this town around at 12 years old. I thought, what a microcosm for government, for the way, for the people, the way Washington should work. So we sold the script to Wonderworks for, 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 um, uh, um, to PBS and uh, they picked it up. I got to direct it. Um, not only did it win numerous awards and all that, but years later, when Poland was becoming <clears throat> a democracy, um, and it's funny, my, my, my grandmother escaped Poland before World War I. Uh, the, they got, they had a, the, 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 the Constitutional Committee requested Lone Star Kid to screen as they were putting their constitution together. They thought it was like the greatest example of democracy. So this little film became part of the new constitution of Poland. Um, so that was, a, but again, I had to hire myself. After that, uh, I, I became uh, credible and was able to uh, start a directing career after that. Well, it's amazing. You know, you worked on shows. You worked on Broadway Hills 90210, which, you know, was dealing with high school kids, which Happy Days yeah. thought completely different. <laughs> completely different. But that must be cool just for you, you know, to be involved in a show that Happy Days was so iconic. But Beverly Hills uh, 90210 also meant a lot to a lot of people. That must be great as a director to go in there and sit there and be, I'm part of something, you know, special for high schoolers. Yeah, what, what I liked about that more than anything, uh, like Aaron Spelling was really, really, really good to me. And um, and I, I love doing shows like 90210. Um, and, and I did, you know, quite a few other, you know, younger, you know, um, demographic shows. But what I re what, what meant a lot to me was I, I befriending the cast. I mean, really maybe inspiring these very talented young people to, um, to, 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 to think bigger in their careers. And like, 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 um, Ian Zierling and whatever, we would talk and, and he's doing so phenomenal now. I just love it when I can give the same, um, um, you know, inf life stories back to them that Gary Marshall gave to me and, and hopefully inspire them to take advantage of where they are and and not get and not um, um, stop themselves from ego but but to actually see what they have and, and to broaden their careers because like Gary said you know not all not all of you are going to be um, actors all your life then he'd look at me and he'd say especially you answer <laughs> true story He's, but you got other, you got other talents. You got other talents, Anson. Yeah, no, but you know, you got to look a little, like wear a couple of more hats. It's good for your life. Well, so that's what I would try to do. When I did shows like Nine to Twenty, I did five years of directing Secret, Secret Life of the American Teenager. Yeah. And Shailene Woodley was on that, who was just masterful. And just a God, what a, what a, a amazing actress and human being along with another, a lot of other young talent. It's just fun to be there and be able to, you know, I, just back, I've been there, done that. I know what the fame is. You know, I, you know, I, know, I know everything that can get in the way of, of productivity, which is ego. And I, what I would try to, try to do is, um, you know, let them understand what they have and, and to, you know, don't worry about what, you, what your dressing looks like worry more about the opportunities uh, where you are, what you can learn, how you can progress in your life and in, in wearing many hats, just like Gary Marshall did for me. So that was, that, that was what was incredibly satisfying to me was, was knowing that, well, hopefully uh, inspiring other young talent to move forward in their lives. Well, it's funny. Earlier you said wear three different hats, you know, actor, producer, director. Well, you're also an entrepreneur because of alert oh, yeah. drops. 
So that's just another. So you're like, you have like a whole, I, I have a big hat rack behind me. You can put all the hats on there. How it's amazing. I want to I ask you, I want to ask you, what's that mean behind you? I was looking at that going, Oh, I didn't, it's I all, couldn't tell what it is. It's all my, it's like, what is it? I'm bald. It's all my hats. It's, it's my hat rack. So is Ron, so Ron Howard. So what? He's got a couple. So, okay. So does each hat mean something? No. I just, I have them. People have given me them for presents. I've gotten some. My wife hates this hat, but I always wear it in my interviews. So it's it one of those things. But, it looks good. <laughs> but I got to tell you, you got you to do a little better art direction there behind. It's like, you got to take it, you got you to make it kind of a focal point, you know? You know and then pick the colors. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, are you in your closet? Where, where the hell are you? This is... This is a converted closet into an office. This used it to is. be a closet. And it looks it. like it, man. It looks like it. I love you, man. You're doing great. You got all these viewers. Come on, give, give us a little class, for Christ's sakes. All right. You know, come upscale, man. Upscale. Right. If you're going to get a rack, get a, get a wider one. All right. All right. And, and, then, and, then, and then put the... And then have a little, have a little like uh, you know, character to it. You All know? right, I will, I will do that. You know, you've been on sets. Tell me about the drop eye drops because first of all, tell me about your uncle. I mean, excuse me, I, excuse me, I've never invented an eye drop in my life. No, what's the uh, the alert drops? It's not. You thought they're eye drops? I thought they were eye drops when I was reading it. Eye drops? Yeah, I thought it was eye drops that woke you up. If you put the God, you gotta, you gotta like read a little more in detail here. I just, it will like if you if you if you're driving and you took alert drops in your eyes, yeah, you're right. You'd be dead. You'd be dead. You'd be off there. You'd be worse than falling asleep. Well, how did the drops? Well, first of all, no one knows that uh, your uncle is so famous. I mean, it's you know the Heimlich Heimlich maneuver. How did the drops come about? They came about. Well, first of all, I've always been somewhat entrepreneurial. I always love creating problem-solving products, and. uh, and my, you know, he's actually my second cousin, but I've called him uncle since I was born. Uh, Dr. Heimlich, who invented the Heimlich Maneuver. And uh, I, I, that's a whole other show I'll do with you in terms of how Happy Days was very responsible for the Heimlich Maneuver being what it is today. Very few people know about it because they had a very hard time promoting it. Anyway, backtracking. Um, so Dr. Heimlich, uncle, uncle Hank, but he's my second cousin, but he's second cousin, but he's uncle Hank. Uh, I was directing a show, um, many years ago, exhausting day on location, very hot. I'm driving home and I black out. I black out by literally falling asleep at the wheel for like a second and the boom, but I easily could have killed myself, someone else. Thank God I didn't. But I called um, Hank, and I explained what happened. He said, Anson. And by the way, uh, Dr. Heimlich was very aware how the body helps the body. A real a real um, egghead in, in, in so many areas that a lot of doctors really aren't familiar with. And he said, Anson, have cut up lemons with you. I go, why? Why? That's stupid. He said, no, no, it's not stupid. It's smart. He said, he said, if you're exhausted, if if you, if you feel really tired, say, take that lemon, bite into it. And he said, he said, it's very old science and it's true. MIT did a study on it 50 years ago, whatever, very old science, the citric acid with the sour lemon, when you, the, the liquid goes on top of your tongue, and uh, part of the part of the trigeminal nerve is the lingual nerve, which is. And he said it'll hit the lingual nerve on top of your tongue. And the ref, the reflex reaction of the body is adrenaline. Whoop, you're up. You're alert. No, it's a, whoop, you're up. Nothing in your system. He said, compare it to going to the doctor's office, you know, and they're doing your reflexes, seeing if they work. Your knees. He's the same thing. There's the same reflex reaction with tongue and brain. Same thing. He said, but this action is adrenaline. You're up, you're alert, nothing, and I'll save your life. So I did that for years and never had the problem again. And then um, as I got into creating problem-solving products, I was researching um, 
certain things. And it turned out that drowsy driving is catastrophic in America, in, in the world, actually. There are more deaths and more tragedies from drowsy driving than drunk driving and medicated driving combined. It, it's like, here's drunk driving, here's drowsy driving. Okay. Like, you know, here's medic. It's like, in, in other words, like, it's, it's like one, two, three, right? And um, I go, wow. Then I started researching more about exhaustion in America. Just people in the workplace, they haven't had enough sleep, they're tired, they're making mistakes at work, in all sorts, all sorts of occupations. And tired moms, tired moms making mistakes at home. And so I had this crazy idea. I called up Hank. I said, you know, you really, this, this you know, citric acid, sour lemon. I said, what if we do a spray drop? Just, and just put it right on top of your tongue. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Whoop, would it wake you up? He goes, Anson, absolutely do it. I'll help you. He said, you'll absolutely save more lives in the hybrid maneuver because there's more people exhausted than choking. So we did. We created alert drops. AL alert. And basically, it's, it's basic. It's a powerful lemon. You know, you take, you're feeling like this, braid on your tongue, up, you're alert. Nothing in your system. People say, well, I drink coffee. Well, that's great. But A, if you drink a cup of coffee, it takes 20 minutes to take effect. And two, you need too much. So it screws up your sleep pattern. And we found this out. We're, alert Drops is helping so much with college students. because, Believe it or not, there's a lot of emergencies in colleges with kids being taken to emergency. They're overdosing on caffeine. They're overdosing on this energy crap to try to get through finals. You know, they stay up all night to do their finals. And, uh, and they're screwing up their bodies. And then if they're taking too much caffeine or whatever, they're get screwing, screwing up their sleep pattern. It's an endless, it's an endless problem and alert drops. It's like an instant and, and you, you're take it when you need it. And then you go to, when you go to sleep, you go to sleep. There's nothing there in your system to screw you up. So anyway, we created alert drops. And if people go to alertdrops.com, alertdrops.com, um, not only can they save uh, unnecessary tragedy with their husband and kids and their own selves and your friends, um, but you can save unnecessary tra tragedies for the cars these people hit. Right. You know, if you go to if you go to if you go to images.google.com and you go, oh my god, um, tragedies, drowsy driving. It's usually not the person driving that dies. It's the three kids they hit. So, it's a very it's it's a it's in this crazy world today where where we feel not in control of so many things. This is one area we can control. Very simple, very simple uh, um, way to solve the problem. Either have cut up lemons, and I tell people this: if you don't want to buy alert drops, this is very reasonable. A month, a month, a month of of um, alert drops is less than two Starbucks. Um, I, I say, I really fine. Have cut up lemons. Just don't have a necessary tragedy. If you have a little citric acid. A little sour lemon on your tongue, you can you, you'll save your life and many others. See, that's awesome, and you're so right about like the, the energy drinks because there's so much chemicals and just crap in that that people are drinking it and it, it accelerates your heart rate. I mean, it's just it's so bad for you. And you're right. I mean, when I was in college, we used to take no dose, you know, and that was bad for you. And that was well, that it's, was it's, it's it's like ten times it's ten times caffeine. That's right. all it is. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it will hurt. It and it's destructive. And, you know, it, it's no, no different. I think all this is no different than opioids. I don't know why the FDA is letting these energy products even on the shelf. Look at the, Just look at the ingredients. I know. It's, it's, I'm, Caffeine, I'm, niacin. But are you, I mean, I, I love the word energy. They're not giving you energy. They're pumping your heart up. And, and, you, and, and God forbid you're like have, you know, un, unknown problems. It's not good for you. It doesn't give you energy. And it's it long it's it's a long term uh, life sentence of less years. Yeah, I'm 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 caffeine free. I was diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat with AFib. Oh, there you go. And it, it 
I was like, once I got out of the hospital, I said, I'm never having caffeine again. And people were like, well, how do you do that? I go, well, because I want to live. I mean, it's just, it's just the common sense. But yeah. um, So let's talk about Happy Days. I really want to talk about Happy Days because I love that show. And I'm 58. And every one of my friends, we love that so show. much younger. Well, yeah, tell. <laughs> I just want to tell you, you know, there's two episodes that still stick out in my mind. When Joni had a crush on you and she called you Dren, which was nerd backwards, and I still try to play Dren on words with friends, and it won't let me. I'm like, damn it, it's a word. It was on TV. And when you had the chive in your tooth, people, I think, always remember that. That I just that I was the first year. I remember that. So tell, do you remember that episode? Like very. I, you, know, you know why? You know why? You know why I remember it? I got to be really honest. I went there. I'm there going, and they they put a little chive in there. Now that I'm a little older. I got home one night. I went, and a chive was there. And I'm going. Everybody saw this. It actually happens in life. Yeah. No, I remember. I so remember that episode. But did they keep it, it, did, echoed, it echoed fifty years later, dude. <laughs> did they keep coming in with makeup and putting the chime? I mean, I could yeah, imagine. They put it private. Yeah, we. What? 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 I put it in. Were you crazy? <laughs> now, how did how did Happy Days come about? How did you? You? It was Love American Style first, right? You had a part in that, or how did you? How did Happy Days come about? Well, Love American Style. I don't know. I mean, I was a working actor doing, and I came in for an audition. And we had, and there were two. There were two pilots for Happy Days. People don't realize this. And the first pilot was much more like um, Summer '42 at the time. I don't know if anyone anyone remembers that film, but it was like Oski and Hermie. Right now, think about it: Richie, Potsy, Oski, Hermie, Richie, Potsy. Hermie, right? You kind of think maybe Gary had that in mind, I think. So anyway, um, there was this pilot. I went, but anyway, I, I got it. Uh, went and auditioned, blah, 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 blah. And they aired it on I Love American Style. They aired it uh, to get some of their money back. It wasn't made for Love American Style. And, uh, and it was a beautiful pilot, but it was a very soft pilot. Much kinder, gentler. And it was before graffiti or any of that. And uh, but in the pilot, there was no Fonzie. There was no um, uh, Ralphie. Um, Mr. Mr. C was played by, was, was Harold Gould, not, uh, not Tom Bosley. Marion was in it. I was in it. Ron was in it. That, 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 the only original characters. Uh, a different girl played Joni. And then um, it didn't sell. And a year later, after Graffiti came out, it was a big hit. And uh, Grease was on Broadway doing big numbers. ABC thought to do another another pilot. But this, and actually Ron and I had a, even though Ron starred in Graffiti, we had, a, we had to uh, audition again. We got it again. Uh, but this time they added a little character called Fonzie. And there was no Ralph, by the way, in the... But Donnie tried out for Potsy, and they liked him so much they created Ralph for him. So, and honestly, did I ever tell you I saved John Travolta's career? Now I want to hear this. You, 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 honestly, I mean, I actually, you got to, you got to pay me for this one. Oh, no, man. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'll buy, I'll buy I'm, alert drops. I'll buy alert drops. There you go. That's not enough. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I um, no seriously. The this is the. I learned this when I, I was doing an interview on Mary Lou Henner's podcast. And um, I didn't know this, but she goes, she goes, you know, you saved John's career. I go, how, what are you talking about? I mean, I knew, I actually met him a few times when he was doing Barbarino, you know, on the ABC series and all that, but I didn't, didn't know him very well or anything. And she goes, no, you see the first, the first pilot, the one that didn't sell, um, oh gosh, let me stop this. So um, uh, he actually tried out for Potsy, and I saved his career by getting it. And he got on, he got on, he got on the ABC list, so then he was able to audition for Barbarino, which is a much cooler part for him to to to, to right sexier part to go up right. 
So I went, oh, my God, this man owes me 10 percent of his damn life. <laughs> he yeah. if, he bought, if, if, if I was just not if I was just a little, he, he could have gotten the part and that have been it. It had been over for him. So there you go. <laughs> Save no. John Travolta's career. That's actually gave the world a chance to see his talent. Exactly. Right? Now, you sang on the show too. How did that get written, written into the the scripts? I mean, you know, was it something that did you always sing? Like as a kid, did you sing? I mean, how did you find this talent? Because you had a very good voice. Um. Well, I, when I started in the business, I, I didn't sing. I, at eighteen, I I paid for singing lessons myself. I just, and I was kicked out of the house because my depression parents, uh, depression age parents, oh, good. you need to, you want to do what? No, you got to be a teacher, engineer, get out of here to your, to your like sane. I, I, and I just did little jobs and paid for my schooling and got uh, voice lessons. And then I started doing, you know, um, talent nights around LA. And my first jobs were in theater, musical comedies, blah, 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 blah. So I sang. And uh, when we first started Happy Days, uh, they didn't pay actors like they did today, anywhere near. And and I've always been, again, entrepreneurial, and I, I've always been someone where I would, I wanted to know what I, I didn't, I, I could see what I didn't have, but I wanted to see what I had. And what I saw, what I had was a television show and I had spoken with David Cassidy, whose uh, Parge's family ended the year before. He was telling me how much better he was doing off the show than on, he sang on the show. I was able to get all this other stuff off the show. And I thought, God, happy days. We should have a band in Arnold's. So I was able to convince Gary to give a tryout. And um, I got to, I, I, he gave me a shot singing once on the show to a bulldog, by the way. And because he said, yeah, he says, I, I, you know, I don't have time to listen to you, but, uh, but uh, if you, if you, I, I assume you're good, but if you're good, if you're not, you know, Elvis sang to a bulldog on Ed Sullivan, that'd be kind of cool. You can say, yeah, pick us. Yeah, I think you should sing to a bulldog. If you're good, I get laughs. If you're bad, I get laughs. So there I am, first time on national television, singing to a damn bulldog. Well, I bless my soul. What's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy. Cut to the to the dog, who then jumps off the chair like he doesn't care. So I, anyway, did Gary likes it? Gary likes it, and he goes, hey, "It's good. The music's good. The band and Arnold's is good. Yeah, that it works. It's good for the show. We'll open the show with a song." So about every third episode, I got to sing, and. uh and I was making like nine or twelve hundred dollars an episode. You know, no one made money back then on that. And then I got signed because I was singing. I got signed by David Cassidy's record company, Chelsea Records. And and then also I'm getting booked to do these concerts and everything. So I was making. By the way, backtracking. This is what I try to tell people: inspire them. See what you have now, what you don't have. Because of this. Okay, I was making my little bit of money on the show every week and $17,000 a night singing in concerts. <laughs> okay, and get, all because of like finding what I had. Now, no one gave it to me. I saw the opportunity. Gary Marshall saw it. It was good for the show. Gary comes to me later and says, you know, it's a good, he said, it's good. You're, you're doing good for you. Don't he goes? You don't bitch. You don't bitch. You found opportunity. You gave me, and it's good for the show. You're singing it, and you're doing good off this. This is all good. I went, and that was it. That was a huge education in the way to approach things in life. Everybody in life, find what you have. If it's personal. I don't care wherever you are. There's always good. Find what you have, and like. What's good? Grab it and expand it. Don't don't get don't get obsessed with what you don't have. You will fail. You will be miserable. You'll get nowhere. And this is a very actually a very clear example of how it works. 
It is. That is amazing. You really you you worked the moment. You know that's what you saw. You forced you saw something and you created. Now what I want to talk to you also about is Happy Days was so big. And when you talk to younger people, you try to explain that there was three channels. There was three in Philadelphia. It was three, six, and ten. Then we had seventeen, twenty nine, and forty eight. But there was three channels. So when people watched a show. Everybody watched it. Everyone so, watched. What was it like for your life? Because you were on like one of the most popular shows. Like, were you mobbed when you would go out? Because you know you were the the good looking singing guy. I mean, you know you you were you were like the, the people just like they liked your character. I mean, what was it like yeah. for you going out as? And how did that change? Does it change you at all? Because you seem like you always had your shit together, thinking about different things. I mean, how did it? What was your life like at that time when you're you're like a rock star? Yeah, I, 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 and it's, it's so funny because I was, I'm everybody, I was everybody looking at me. <laughs> Everyone looking at you like, oh my God, I'm them looking at me. It's like, because I was just a number in the world before all this, but um, the difference was too, back then, first of all, uh, well, back then, the paparazzi and all that, it, it, it wasn't a billion dollar business like today. So if I, where I, if I went to the store where I was living, whatever, no one really bothered you. The paparazzi didn't come after you. They basically waited for you to come to them. You go to events and all this. They didn't really try to search for you. It was a much more private um, time for celebrity. Uh, today, oh, God, I, I don't know. What I, it, it's a whole other experience. But... Uh, but um, but again, but I had such great mentors with Gary Marshall and Ron and all this. And Ron was already a star. I mean, everyone knew him from Andy Griffith and all the movies he had done. And so, and then Henry became the number one star in the world and yet had just a big heart and really, really incredibly balanced man. So we, it was just, it was just a, a great um, grounded kind of platform. So none None of us got big for our britches. And again, Gary Marshall was very instrumental in inspiring us to use the Paramount Studios as a college and to educate ourselves. And don't get involved. Don't let your ego, don't get, don't, you know, don't get, don't stop yourself with ego. You know, expand yourself, use it productively. And I think that's why today, so many of us are still, we're still productive. We're still productive because we had this. We had one of the greatest gifts in the world with happiness, and because of mentors like Ron and Gary and Henry, Tom Tom Bosley negotiated my first um, mortgage. I mean, he literally came, he goes, "Hey, you don't know what you're doing, kid. Come here, let me help you." You know, I mean, it, it was just, it, it was just, it was like a solid family of friendship and care about each other, and along with incredible talent. And, 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 and so many God-given gifts, but all with every, everyone with humility. And for whatever reason, we're here. And, and the, greater, the greater good is um, giving before receiving. And, um, you know, it, it, so I never, ne- I, never, I never got caught up in the, in, in the adulation because I, I knew what it was. Because it's fun. I, 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 it's kind of very simple. Ron and I were talking. I said, isn't it interesting, like, three weeks before Happy Days aired, or before I said, I'm fighting for a date. I am, like, fight, like, everybody, I am, like, just trying to get, you know, and then 12 weeks later, I'm hot. <laughs> right? I'm hot, man. All of a sudden, I'm like, I am, like, oh, my, I am the greatest thing in the world. I am just so fucking hot. Right? I'm going, what happened 12 weeks ago? Am I... <laughs> Did the DNA change? Did the nose go left or right? It's like, what? I'm hot now? But I'm saying, but, so I'm just saying early on, we knew. We all knew the realities of, no, you're not that great. You're, you're, you're in a position psychologically, but you, you are who you are. And don't get, do not get caught up, caught up in all that. Now, did you ever meet, like, did any... Did you have any fans who were like really cool celebrities? Like you were like, oh my God, this person's a fan of mine. I mean, that must have been because everyone watched the show. There must have been people that would come up to you and say, hey, Anson, I love your work. I mean, who are some of the people that 
admired your work. Oh, no, no. It's just very minor people, man. They're very, very, in fact, this really minor guy. I mean, nothing in the world. I think his name was John Lennon. Uh, <laughs> surprised on the set one day with his son, Julian. Yeah. John Lennon. Um, uh, 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 another Ringo Starr, Keith Moon came on the set. Surprising as what? I mean, it's here. You are. I'm a number in the world. Also, I'm, I grew up. Also, I'm going. Huh? You know who the hell I am? Paul McCartney. You know what? What the hell? What? What? Right? Yeah. Tell me. It's like surreal, man. It's surreal. Who you know? Who 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 we connected with? Crazy. It's so amazing. Well, how about did you have groupies? Because I figure you went from to hot. I mean, did you, would you get chased down the street sometimes? I hear like you know different people would be like, "Oh my God, look!" Especially back then. I mean, tell me some crazy. Well, tell me I'll tell you, I'll you, the first time we knew. Y- yes, that's why, that's why we had to stay away from public places. We really did. Happenies have been on for a little bit, and uh, and we're it got on it 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 got it was a mid-season replacement, and we're working hard keeping up with episodes. Finally, they shut down for two weeks so we could do a promo tour for the show. And the first place we went to uh, was uh, Houston, Texas. And here we are. Oh, my God. We, 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 we had no idea the popularity of the show. We're, we, we left. In, it was dark in the morning. When we got there, it was dark when we ended the day. Literally had no idea of, of the effect on an audience. So we're all on this early flight to Houston, and all of us are on there, and we're all first class, and we're all we're all going, "Oh, this is fit. Got champagne, man! Oh my god, we're like going crazy. We're first class. We land in Houston, and we look. There's this like limousine on the on the tarmac. We go, "Oh my god, who's that for? Oh, it's for us. Get off the. Now we're in this limousine, and we're going right to an event. And the event was this amphitheater in some beautiful park area of Houston. And they were having some big event. We didn't really, really know what it was for, but all we knew is we had to make an appearance at it. So we're driving. It's Henry and Donnie. We're all driving along. And we're going, oh, God, this is... And we're in this limousine going, this is pretty cool. Wow, this is kind of fun. We don't know. We're driving. And all of a sudden, we go through, we're going through this park. And I go, and we t- where we go? Oh, we're taking to this amphitheater. And all of a sudden, we see... It looked like a tsunami of people, a tsunami of people up ahead. I mean, like endless humanity. And I I look at Henry and I go, man, there must be some concert going on or something. (laughs) Look at all these. He goes, yeah. He's going, yeah. It's kind of go, yeah. It was for us. All of a sudden we hear these screams. There's nothing more dangerous than teenage girls. Nothing in the world. Nothing. If you want to meet, if you want to meet, if you want to be Putin, just put our teenage. They'll kick his ass. Are you? They will kick his ass. I'm telling. It was like I'm going. It's us. It's us. They come. All of a sudden, they come. I'm going. Literally, it was, it was surreal. They come. They're over. It's like it's like you're drowning in humanity in the limousine. Cops. They're opening the door. Try to. To get us out, it was, and we're drowning in bodies trying to get through. And it's this amphitheater, but we get through, and it's an enclosed area in the back. Bam! Holy crap! Our clothes are torn, everything, and we're all going, What the hell, man? What they put wireless marks on this for this little, this whatever it was like, it was some show they were doing. I don't, and we're and all we're gonna do is go on stage and be introduced. To this day, I don't know why we're introduced. <laughs> so we they put these mics on us, and all of a sudden now now the, the place holds like five or six thousand people. There's like thirty. It was like thirty thousand people. Aside from what came after us, so we get out. We we get out there. We so we get out there. Now remember, we're young guys, not married. You know, we're cool. We're out there, and also we walk out. The screams are so loud, we almost, we, you know, the decimals, we almost like fainted. And, and I, and I, and 
And look, and Henry, Henry's looking. I go, Henry just goes, "Hey, forget about it. Forget about it." I turn to Don. I go, "Hey, bro, I think we're gonna get lucky." <laughs> true story, man. Absolutely true story. Can you do me a favor? What? Can you tell me another story? Because that story was awesome. I would like to hear another happy day story from you that you remember. But that was that, I know, that one's pretty well. You know, the, the John Lennon one was pretty amazing, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh, there's one time. You know, I didn't realize there's a Disneyland, and my and and um, oh gosh, who was it? Um, Billy, don't be a hero. Dada. Who are they? Give me the group. I uh... No, don't give me the group. I can't think of it. I know the song. I can't. You got. You stopped me. There you go. Not the Ozark Mountain Daredevils, was it? No. No, no, That's no, Jackie no. Blue. Right. No, no, no. Oh, my God. Anyway, they were big. They had a lot of... And I was at Disneyland because their, their PR person was my PR person. It was, and, I, and I thought, oh, I have to go out. I have to go out and uh, see them. There's... That was a big mistake. That was the first time, you know, you know, in in Hard Days Night when the Beatles are running from eight billion fans. Yeah, yeah, tell that's exactly what it was. I went in, yeah. So I'm there. Oh gosh, come on. Oh gosh, I see him. I hear him. I'm like, yeah. Come on. I'm looking it hang up. On. I'm looking so it up. On. I'll do. Who sang Billy Don't Be a Hero? The Hay Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. The Haywoods, Bo, Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. They were there. I was I was run out of Disneyland. <laughs> and I'm run and I end up back there. I'm going, this is a lot of fun. I'm all by myself. <laughs> it's and I'm alone in the parking lot. Where am I going? You know? <laughs> I'm going, oh that's hot. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, go, bro. Anyway. I, uh, I thank you for coming on. What's in your future right now? Well, we got Harvest Time. Are we going to see maybe another production with you and Don? Is that something you would think about doing again? Oh, I'm, I'm dealing with it. We'll be back later. There's a, there's a few other exciting things. You know, you got to move forward. And being an entrepreneur, there's, there's, there's some really fun kind of fun projects coming in we'll, we'll, that we'll talk about that are pretty pretty cool. Well, I want to thank I want to thank you, Anson. It was an honor having you on. Uh, can people get in touch with you in social media? Do you tweet? I know you're on Facebook. Are you on Twitter? You know, I just started tweeting a little bit. It, it's it, it's Anson W with the number four. It, it's it's like Anson W, no real Anson W for the Twitter thing. Okay. Yeah. So people go go go. And, and then you can go to if you just do Anson Williams on Facebook on there. I'm not a real social media guy. Well, people, go look up Anson. Go look up all the stuff he's directed. You're going to love it. And go and go get Harvest Time. Go find Harvest Time. Uh, go to my website, coopertalk.net. You can find uh, over 900 episodes. Email me, cooper, at coopertalk.net. Facebook, uh, Cooper Talk Radio. And Twitter, I'm at Cooper Talk. So remember, I'm Steve and Cooper. Coop is pretty, and Coop is pretty cool. See that? And, you, know something? you know something? You know what's, you know what's funny? The first film I, I co-wrote called Skyward. Uh, Howard Hessen played a character called Coop. See that? There you go, man. That's awesome. So, people, check it out. So I'm Steve. Your name, your name has started with Bette Davis. See there that? I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. I've starred with Bette Davis in a, an Anson Williams movie. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Thank Bye -bye. you.